When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh and James Jones. And for the first time in a very, very long time on the We Are West Ham podcast, we've got something a little bit negative to talk about. West Ham United have received a ban on away supporters for their next UEFA fixture after approximately 150 West Ham fans uh, allegedly stormed the away turnstiles at Genk, uh, the game that I was at, um, leaving or lots of West Ham fans who've booked travel and accommodation to go to Rapid Vienna out of pocket. Jonesy and I are affected by the news. Our plans are still a little bit up in the air at the moment, but we're out of pocket uh, if we don't end up going to the tune of around five to six hundred pound on flight and hotels, etc. Uh, So we'll be talking about that in a bit more detail later on, where we both stand on the club's approach, what we think of the people who've done it, etc, etc. But ultimately, West Ham is still third in the Premier League, given that there's been no games to look back on other than the international stuff. England have qualified for the World Cup next year. Never really felt in doubt did it and with uh, God knows how many, what, 15 goals, Jonesy, in uh, in two games. Um, it was never really in doubt after all. I was a little bit nervous about Albania. But yeah, no West Ham games to look back on. Declan wasn't in the England squad through illness and Mikel Antonio got two in two with one absolute perler for Jamaica. But no West Ham games, which means the Hammers are still third in the Premier League, still top of our Europa League group. And things are all still looking up. James Jones, me and you had a phenomenal day out together on Saturday. I turned 30. James and his wife, as well as some of my friends and family, joined me at Lingfield Racecourse for a absolutely superb day in the end. Jonesy, it was uh, it was nice to have a little social, wasn't it? Wonderful, mate. It was, um, it was a lovely day out. Um, I think I texted you a couple of days later saying just thank, thanks for having a birthday because it was a wonderful day. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it was it was really good fun. Uh, won a little bit of money. I know you see you won you won a fair bit on the first race as well. Got a little bit lucky. Uh, was it 30, 32 to one? See, great, thirty two to one. Yeah, thanks. Lovely. Just a, 
big thanks to Chad from uh, Chad Yeomans from Betway for yeah. that tip on that race. Thirty-two to one, ten pound on the nose, three hundred and thirty quid. Uh, yeah, that set my day up very nicely indeed, mate. Happy days. Yeah, I mean, we came away, we doubled our money on the day as well. Lucy and I. So yeah, that was a good day all round. Nice to have a yeah. few drinks. Nice to catch up properly in person. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to your next birthday. We can do next year. Yeah, well, mate, I'm only 31 next year. It's not quite as exciting or entertaining, is it? I mean, you say that, but the older you get, the better, the better it gets, mate. Yeah, that is true, mate. Take my word true. for that. Yeah, I maybe we'll do the same next year, mate. We'll book, we'll book it in. Get everyone, uh, get everyone lined up once again. But that was a phenomenal day. Um, but yeah, as far as West Ham goes, Jonesy, I don't know how much everyone wants to hear about our little personal excursions. But uh, as far as West Ham go, it's, uh, as I mentioned already, it's like the first downer we've had for a long time, really, isn't it? First reason to talk about anything negative on on the podcast, which in a weird way is actually like where we're most comfortable and what we're most used to doing um, over the, the sort of four years or so, three or four years we've been doing this and then the radio show before. The majority of it has been somewhat negative, isn't it? But um, yeah, the news obviously broke earlier this week that UEFA had uh, banned West Ham fans or West Ham from selling away tickets to their next UEFA match, which the match in question is Rapid Vienna away next Thursday, the 25th of November. Very, very close to the day of the game. The news was announced it related to uh, some crowd disturbances and items being thrown on the pitch at Genk away. I was very surprised when I heard the news, mate. Having been at the game, everyone seemed fairly well behaved or, to, or impeccably behaved, to be quite honest. Um, I didn't know anything about the... Uh, the turnstile stuff which has come out since. But uh, having spoken to West Ham myself um, when the news emerged, they were blindsided by it. They've effectively um, sort of revealed that in their statements they've made since. They were just, uh, the club knew about as much as, as I did when I spoke to them about the, um, the UEFA disciplinary note that was issued, which didn't have much detail at all. West Ham were then forced to write to UEFA. They released a statement, didn't they, West Ham? And in it, they revealed they were forced to write to UEFA to basically ask, what have we done? What's happened here? We've been fined €30,000 um, for the one incident and then four and a half, I think it was, for the other. Uh, the, throwing on, the throwing on or throwing of items, uh, which I'm almost certain, I don't know this for sure, but it's just an opinion having been there, must have been the flare thrown on the pitch after the goal that Vladimir Sufal was forced to come over and kick off the sideline. Uh, might not have been visible on TV, I don't know, but certainly was in the ground. Um, and yeah, and it, it's emerged since, Jonesy, I think I'm, I'm right in saying, um, that, yeah, it relates to around 150 West Ham fans, ticketless West Ham fans, storming the turnstiles, gaining access to the ground. Uh, and watching the game from from inside the stadium when when they didn't have any tickets is that sort of your understanding of of events before we go on to opinions? Yes, yeah, that's, that's that's exactly how I, how I see it. Is that that's that's why the um, the banners has come in. Um, obviously, I leave my opinion for for when it gets to it. But yeah, it's just very odd timing. Um, but you can kind of see. You can see why that ban is in place if, if in fact, it is a case that people are storming the terms of turnstiles to, in, in order to get in without a ticket. Yeah. Now, 
again, so so before we go on that, we'll, we'll look at the timing of the whole thing, first of all. So the issue, Josie, first emerged on Monday night. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, it's Monday night yeah. or Tuesday. Sorry, I've, I've worked two days this week, and I can just remember that I was at work for one of them. It was Monday Hang night. On. I'll, uh, yeah, so Monday night. The, yeah, yeah, it was Monday night. Right, so that's when um, the first thing came out from, from UEFA, which was Monday afternoon. Uh, I spoke to West Ham quite soon after that, within 45 minutes of it going up on, on a very obscure part of the UEFA website, by the way. Um, that where they just post their disciplinary notices, no real fanfare. They just post that and uh, there's a very short bit of detail on it. Um, West Ham then released their statement on Monday evening saying that they received an email late on Monday afternoon from UEFA. So I'm led to believe that UEFA informed the club at the same time as posting it out where it's effectively available to the public. Um, yeah. So thirty-four thousand five hundred euros, um, and then it said for the next UEFA match, the club West Ham statement read: the club are urgently seeking clarification from UEFA, particularly given the extremely short notice of the sanction, which will impact our supporters. We've already bought tickets and made arrangements to travel to Austria for our match against Rapid Vienna in just over a week. We're surprised to receive these uh, sanctions and disappointed for the fans who have behaved impeccably and supported the team throughout and will now be unable to travel to the next away Europa League fixture. The club has requested full written reasons, blah, blah, blah. Um, so at that stage, Jonesy, I was baffled, to be honest. I thought, oh, yeah, the throwing on the pitch, that's a flare, obviously. Surely that can't uh, justify a complete ban. An away fan ban, that seems well harsh. That sort of thing you see happen all the time. There's flares left, right and centre in a lot of European games. And the crowd disturbance, I was honestly flummoxed. There was a tiny little bit of like handbag stuff by the barrier between the home and away fans at one point, I'd say in the second half. But I'm talking nothing, just like a bit of shouting. And I didn't see any objects being exchanged, anything like that. A bit of shouting. Um... And I thought, well, I don't know what's gone on here. I literally have no idea. The club, as I say, they were blindsided by the whole thing as well. It strikes me as odd. I don't know about you, first of all. Let's look at the UEFA thing first. It strikes me as odd that when you issue such a harsh ban, that the club in question, who are obviously going to have to deal with the fallout, namely, like first of all, dealing with the refunds of 1,700 tickets, which were sold out, by the way, at the time of that the sanction was announced. It strikes me as absolutely baffling that when UEFA issue a sanction or make a decision like that, that it's then down for the club to go to write back and say, okay, can you tell us what this is about, please? Mm. What? Yeah, yeah. None of it makes any sense. Um, Like, if they were investigating the club for any... Fan disturbances, objects being thrown. Now, the club should have been made aware immediately after the game because UEFA would have known immediately after that game that there needed to be, or even the day after the game, that they were needed to. There were things that happened during that game that needed to be investigated. Um, to leave it what, what, t- essentially two weeks. Well, the game the game took place on the fifth, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, sorry, fourth. Sorry, the Thursday, the fourth, the Genk away game, which is when these things happened. Yeah. Uh, the game happened on the fourth, and then so where are we? We're Wednesday now, so that's fifteenth. So nine days 
after no 11 days sorry 11 days after the game was when the sanction was issued so it's, it's taken them 11 days to inform not only inform the club that they were being investigated but inform the club of the charges um and during that time the club have put tickets up for sale for this game and sold them all <laughs> sold them all and then 1700 of them what 10 days before the the next game the game that they've been charged the, the, the charges are related to or kind of you know are going to affect um again well, you can't sell tickets for that game so well, we've already sold them like mm. like if the club knew that they'd been investigated then they would they wouldn't have put those up a general sale they're going to, they're going to wait for the, the decision before we sell these tickets mm. that would have then stopped the majority of those fans buying tickets stopped them buying flights booking hotels because they would have been it would have been they would have been unsure whether they could go or not Instead, you UEFA allowed and were complicit in 1,700 West Ham fans getting excited and spending a lot of their hard-earned money um, for what would be a bit of a celebration because if we get a point, we, we, we confirm that we've been the group, it, will, it would have been a celebration. Um, massive, massive achievement for the club if we get that single point. And knowing that all of that was happening, and then just to dump it on the club. And then, as you said, quite rightly said, that the club have had to go back and go, well, what are you talking about? Like, what's, well, we don't, we don't, first, we've heard of it. Like, a, a business or a governing body of any industry, that's like shambolic. It's, it, it really is shambolic um, to have, like, and particularly where you wait for, I think their hashtag is um, equal game. Um, in their in their Twitter bio, you know, they, they go on, a, they were very against the Super League obviously for financial reasons, but said a lot about the fans. No thought for the fans in this. And that's my main problem, is that there's absolutely no thought for the fans, because they would have known. They would have known. Um, not, not, I'm not right, and this is just to anyone listening, this is not my view here. I'm doing it for devil's advocate purposes. Do you think that if you're in the UEFA disciplinary board or whatever, the people that you want to look out for after 150 supporters of a football club have stormed the gate and gone in without a ticket. No, although it's sort of, it's harsh on, it's obviously harsh on, I think it's completely wrong, but West Ham fans obviously weren't their favourite people at the time of making this decision anyway, were they? They need to stamp out on that. So the idea that, I mean, for us, it's really bad, particularly me, like me and you have been directly affected to the tune of around £600 like, between us. Um, for us, it's bad, but UEFA probably think, well, you know, we need to, we're making an example of these people. Yeah, oh, fine. If you're out of pocket, it's your first time in this competition. We don't accept that sort of stuff. No, I, I get that. Um, and of course, like, you can't, they're not going to go, oh, well, um, we won't ban them, although they deserve to be banned because all these fans have spent money. Like, mm. The fact is, and what I'm trying to say is that the fact is these fans wouldn't have spent money or the majority of them wouldn't have spent the money and they certainly wouldn't have bought tickets if the club were told ASAP that they were being investigated for, uh, for all that trouble that happened at, at Genk. And they mm. would have known either on the night or the day after that they were, okay, we need to investigate these these reports of, of crowd trouble or people storming of turnstiles. But to leave it 11 days... Well, let's and, be honest, we wouldn't and, have... We, we paid recently, didn't we? We yeah. wouldn't have. Yeah, and, you know, if, if the club is told straight away, look, we don't sell tickets, 
and tell you tell the fact you know you've been investigated we'll let you know as soon as we can in terms of the results of that investigation before we can sanction or allow you to start selling tickets for this game mm. um yeah. the club, yeah, club yeah. instead like completely none the wiser sold the tickets and as soon as you buy a ticket to a football match uh, particularly abroad as soon as you've got you've got confirmation that you've you've got that ticket and you paid for it you then start booking your flights in your, your hotel yeah so my, my problem with it isn't the fact that, you know, we'll stand fans, uh, perhaps, you know, we deserve the ban for what happened. No, no, yeah, because it's um, not, and it's, it's 150 it's, people, isn't it, out of... And, yeah, I mean, when I heard that today, and the club had said, you know, we're, we're not going to appeal because we've now heard the reasons why. Um, I sort of, sort of stepped back and said, well, okay, well, no wonder we got banned. No, no mm. wonder the ban's case. No wonder the charges are there. Um, and it's, you know, the... I mean, there's a whole other conversation about sort of what, what on earth are you doing? Going away with the Belgium and storming the turnstiles. I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Um, but all that side, it should never have got to this point. It should never have yeah. got to this point. And there, there are there are a lot of fans that probably still will go. Um, and, you know, I was chatting to hey, someone. Of course there are. Sorry. I, 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 I was, ch I was yeah. chatting to someone earlier about it, and they were like, well, surely everyone's still going to go out there. And I was like, well, that's the problem that, that's that's the next problem is because a lot of those fans are going to be upset about the fact they can't go to the game. A lot of fans, they might still go over there and maybe try and fire a bar to watch it in. Fine. Mm. But there will be some fans who still rock up at the stadium um, and be outside the stadium. You know, And I wouldn't put it past fans to do that. Um, well, well, I'm, I'm not, not so much to cause trouble. I'm not saying cause trouble, but they're still going to go in and around it because they've spent, they've spent money to go to Vienna for a couple of days. If they so have to spend another play, 30 quid to sit in the home end and they can do it, fans will do that, won't they? Yeah, Not everyone, yeah. of course. So Some people, the, I'm sure, listening to this will have written it off. Go on, mate. Yeah. They're still, they're still going to go. Um, I reckon, you know, I think my view is that, you know, if, if we can, we'll still go, even if we can't get to the game, because we'll, you know, Vienna, as, as I understand, it's a, it's a lovely city. It's a good opportunity to go there and see, and see Vienna, if anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and we'll make the most. We won't let those flights go to waste. And I'm pretty sure the majority of the fans that have flights and hotels booked will probably do the same. Mm. Um, but that's not the point. The point is that the only reason why 1,700 West Ham fans are going over there is to watch a game of football for 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, instead, yeah. instead, Austria now have, because of UEFA, have now got 1,700 West Ham fans coming to their city, most of which are going to be incredibly annoyed about the fact that they can't watch a football match for 90 minutes. And yeah. instead going to be in the bars we on Thursday, Thursday night, Friday night, probably Saturday yeah. night. It's just well, like, what have you done? Like, it's while, just the, while the unvaccinated among their population are in lockdown, lockdown or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, I mean, let, right, okay, James, let's, let's address the issue head on then. Uh, 150 people storming the turnstiles. I mean... Again, obviously it's not on. It's one of those things. It's such a long time. And I'm, this is in no way am I uh, excusing these people's actions at all, by the way, especially with the consequences now. One thing from UEFA's point of view, anyone uh, who saw or witnessed the, the storming of it last time, who might have just sort of shrugged, like West Ham fans who are in that way end, who might have just shrugged their shoulders and gone, oh, well, you know, it's not my job, nothing to do with me. Um, there should be more police or security, which is true. Like, again, it's the club's responsibility to ensure that sort of thing doesn't happen, isn't it? I know it's, it's perhaps the wrong way of thinking about it. Of course it is. And I'm normally one where responsibility should lie with the individual. 
But for organisations and football clubs to have nothing in place to stop that sort of thing from happening. Yeah. When I was there, the, the general level of policing and stewarding, etc., was spare. So I got in the ground quite early. So I don't know what it got like close to kickoff, but there was very few official security or whatever. It's not Genk's first time in Europe. So the fact that there wasn't enough staff there or policing or whatever to to stop that sort of thing happening is there's some responsibility on, on Genk or whoever falls that. I'm not sure who that falls with. I'm assuming Genk slash the local council to police it. I don't know, but Genk, you'd think. Um, so it shouldn't be possible to do that anyway. It's West Ham's first time in Europe for a long, long time. There was no reports of it in Zagreb, but it was a bit sort of it happened quite quickly didn't it the turnaround it was all quite quick so you it, I got the feeling that anyone who went out there the tickets loads of tickets went on sale shortly before the game anyway didn't they so I got the impression anyone who went out there got into the game um but I mean now certainly if any West Ham fans ever see that happen again particularly fans like us who have lost out to the tune of like five or six hundred pound some more, some less, uh, sorry, some less, some more, no doubt. If if they perhaps shrugged at Genk when it was happening and gone, oh, or maybe even laughed or whatever, that will certainly never happen again, will it? There'll be no more, if if, if that ever happens, if, say, we get into the knockout stage and there's an away game there and there's some people storming the turnstiles, you can bet your bottom dollar you probably won't need that many stewards or police because you'll have West Ham fans particularly the ones who've lost out in Vienna, who won't stand for that sort of like behaviour, will they? No, I completely agree. And um, you know, it is a learning curve. Uh, massive, mm. massive, massive learning curve. Um, I think it, it's disappointing that some those fans have gone over there not purely with the intention of doing that. Um, because it's not a good look on the club. It's not a good look on the fan base. You know, and... No, it's not. No. It's like, and even without all like the charges that we've got you away for, now we can't go to Vienna and watch the game, and like it's just not a good look. Like we should be beyond that now as a football club. We've got our reputation from decades ago. Mm. Um, a lot of clubs in Europe are, are rich into players because of that reputation in terms of fan bases. Um, but I can just go over there and behave ourselves and enjoy the journey and not have to cause trouble or not have to essentially commit crimes. Like, can we just go over there and enjoy the fact that West Ham are back in Europe. We're having an incredible time at the moment and not ruin it for everyone else. And like, mm. that's the way I see it, is that essentially the actions of those fans that night have ruined it for everyone else. Well, that, um, they have, and, but of and course. It's not, yeah. And it's, it's not fair. It, 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 like, what, how, who do you think you are? Just rocking up and thinking you can just storm into a stadium and watch a game like there are going to be consequences either to you or to the wider fan base. And at the moment, it's the wider fan base. And it could even be, if they're identified, then the club will take action. They've already said that. Hmm. And it's just frustrating. I mean, when the draw was made, I was looking at it going, you know, okay, okay, if I can't get tickets to a game, I might see if I can get over to one of them um, anyway and just enjoy the atmosphere and maybe watch it in a bar somewhere outside the stadium or in the, in the city or something. Um, and that should have been the mindset of everyone that didn't have a ticket. If you still want to go over there, like, instead of a good time, watch it in a bar. Like, yeah, there's yeah. plenty of other fans with exactly the same mindset. Um, but unfortunately, there are there are some people in the world that don't see things like that, and you know they have very selfish 
selfish point of view, and that's exactly what it is. It's selfish. And okay, we've not been in Europe for so long, and it's a big, you know, it's a big occasion. You want to be there. You want to see West Ham play away. But if you haven't got a ticket, you can't get in the ground. You've got no right to be in the ground. Like that's that's the fact. And yeah. that's what frustrates me is that they've let they've let the club down. Um, maybe I'm maybe I'm being a little bit too harsh on it, or too harsh about it. But that's the way I see it. They've let the club down. They've let the fans down. That's. Um, I think that's most of it, mate. It's, I think, it's disappointing to see. I think it's letting fellow fans down, isn't it? And again, you mentioned learning curve. Perhaps the argument from anyone who did rush in. I mean, you know, some, some of them might be listening at the moment. Genuinely be, if anyone would be willing to, but come on and talk about it and whatever. That would be interesting. I can't imagine there's going to be a queue of people wanting to put their hand up and say, yeah, I'll come and chat about it. Um, if there is anyone listening and you want to get in touch by all the, the normal channels. Um, but yeah, I, do, I don't know, mate. I, again, I do still, I, I still, it's not bailing people out. It's not because it's ridiculous. And now, like, you know, we, we've been directly affected and obviously not happy about it. And you think, ah, oh, you know, well, that's brilliant. Cheers. Like 150 of you got to watch that game, which means 1,700 of us like can't watch it next week. Like, Cheers. Um, but I, I still do think there's onus on... Uh, it, this This isn't the first football match ever to be played. Do you know what I mean? The fact mm. that 150... If it was like five or ten, you sort of go, all right, fair enough. Mate, 150 people is a lot of people, mm. isn't it? Mm. It takes about 30 minutes for 150 people to get through the security at London Stadium just to have their bags searched and a half-assed pat-down. <laughs> For 150 people, if you actually think about how many people that is stood up or whatever, to all storm over a turnstile and then like be in the ground fighting, you know, I, I still obviously not great, not or not good at all from the people who did it, but from the authorities as well, you know, I mean, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, they should, should be Genk more. have been should Genk have been fined? Do you think? No, I don't think so. Um... Like I, I get your point on the you know security and policing, but at the same time you don't expect 150 blokes to rock or fans to but rock wait, up and shouldn't and you? Try and, isn't, I don't think isn't that their job? Isn't that their job to it's, expect it's, stuff like that? I think you, you, particularly when when it is West Ham, and I've already mentioned the reputation that we've got. Most clubs will up their policing and or they should up their policing and, and, and up their um, security, but you still don't expect it as a as a football club, to be kind of almost ambushed at the turnstiles. Like, that's happened happened in the summer at Wembley for the Euro yeah, final, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. on a much larger scale, by the way. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, and that, that was down to policing, but that was 90,000 fans, or probably, I, I reckon, a quarter of a million fans in, in and around that area, probably more. Mm. So you can understand why, you know, the policing and security was called into question. When you've got a small ground of, I don't know what the capacity was, 20, 25,000, which wasn't even a sellout. Um, uh, I mean, they easily could have, I don't know what the rule, they easily could have sold more tickets to West Ham fans, that's for sure. Yeah. The the, the Genk Genk end was barely, I don't know. You see it on TV, it wasn't, it was what? 50% full is probably generous. That's probably generous to them. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I just... I don't know. How, how did you feel about it then since, mate? Because obviously we haven't chatted until till this to go on, whether we're going to go or not. 
Um, I, the thing is now, we've spent the money, I've got the time off work, and we've got a hotel together for two nights, which will be a novelty and uh, another milestone for our friendship. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm more than happy to just uh, have a couple of little, like, romantic days in, in Vienna, the pair of us. But uh, it just seems like uh, what you said, and I was chatting to my dad about the other day, he said, oh, that smells now. And your point, mate, about even even if half still go, right? 1,700 tickets sold. I know a few, quite a few people were planning on going without a ticket. So if you said 2,000 people had made plans to go, even if you said half of those went, oh, I can't be bothered, still going to have 1,000 West Ham fans out there who, and again, uh, lots of, uh, in lots of different pockets, but they're sort of, there's a community of us all in different people gather online in different places. And some people listen to the podcast, some people watch YouTube channels, others just do the old fashioned and text their mates. But ultimately, there's going to be congregations of West Ham fans out there, isn't there? Yeah. Um, everyone's going to want to, and that's going to invite problems of its own, isn't it? It's much safer for them to all be hemmed in in a stadium during the game. Um, yeah, perhaps we'll just have to go skiing or something for the weekend, mate. I'm all over it. I've never been skiing, so <laughs> you can show me the ropes, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is a 24-hour whistle-top uh, skiing tour in, <laughs> in Vienna or whatever. But look, I, yeah, it is disappointing isn't it? Uh, and it's a, a little blip on what's been a, a near perfect season so far. But, you know, learning curve or whatever, fingers crossed we do, it doesn't happen again. Not that you should try in the first place, but fingers crossed from now on, you shouldn't see it again now after this, should we? Like Fans will self-police it. Fans who spent hard-earned money on this, fans will self-police it if they see anything like that again. Uh, and then, yeah, just hopefully that's the last of it, you think? I hope so. I mean, I mean, we'll um, we haven't really the fan base hasn't exactly painted itself in a lot of glory in this European, particularly well, obviously we had the, the incident on the plane as well. Um, and I think all of the, this is now like the, the peak of it. And I think, mate, I think that's I, I think that's unfair. The the thing on the plane was abhorrent, but. A handful. I mean, like four or it's five. It's a handful, but that, yeah? it, it, it's a handful. But it, it's not seen as a handful by the wider, the, the neutral. Yeah, it's yeah. not but seen mate, as a stain. It's a stain on the fan base, and that's the problem. Um, and the fact is that now, what's happened here? What's happened on a plane and all the rest of it? And you know, the reports at the home game of Vienna, that wasn't West Ham fans, I know, but it was seen by wide the the media as West Ham fans being involved in scuffles with Vienna fans in South London Stadium. Um, these little things are all yeah. These little things add up to the point where we've waited so long to be in this position and now everyone's everyone's looking at West Ham fans as just a group of fans that just want to cause trouble. I know it's only a minority of people. But that it is all, important I, to note, but it, it all stacks up for me. And mm. you know, people, the neutrals and the media—they're they, not going to be. Oh, there's only a few West Ham fans that cause trouble. Um, they're going to go West Ham fans general because they paint paint everyone with the same brush. Um, and that's the problem I've got with it. It's just like, Paul, you know, it's not fair that we're now having to have this reputation bestowed upon us. Mm for the actions of a very, very few. And unfortunately, that's just the way of the world is that, you know, the many get blamed for, for, for the actions of the few. Hmm. I think that is, that is it, mate. You know, there was 1150 or whatever West Ham fans in that away end. 
who didn't uh, weren't for throwing anti-Semitic abuse at a yeah. person on his own on an aeroplane and who also just paid for a ticket, travelled out there with their friends or their family or whatever, had a few beers, had a brilliant game and watched West Ham play a brilliant tool draw in Europe. Um, and you're right, yeah, it, it does, you know, the reputation thing's one thing, but this is, what's happened with Vienna is hard consequences for all of us based on the the actions of a, a quite a large minority. That's still 150 is a lot of people, but hey... Here's what is. We'll suck it up. Uh, you might get good at skiing. Uh, we'll have a little tour and we'll just be doing a little bit more holding hands and sightseeing than we thought we might in the first place, mate, isn't it? Or at least an hour and a half more than we were going to originally. Yeah, yeah. It, it does mean, mate, we'll actually have to look at um, some of the sights and uh, things you can actually do in Vienna rather than just assume we were going to rock up, find a pub and go to the game. <laughs> I'm up for that. Yeah, I want to yeah. see a bit of Vienna. Why not? Absolutely, mate. Well, look, uh, we did that, mate, before I got carried away there. I didn't even do any housekeeping whatsoever. That was basically the longest intro we've ever done on the We Are West Ham podcast. Uh, the housekeeping coming up, you can follow us on Twitter at We Are underscore West Ham. We're on Instagram, We Are West Ham pod. Facebook, just search We Are West Ham podcast. Do the same on YouTube. You can email us at wearewesthampod at gmail.com. The links are all the ways you can follow us and get in touch with We Are West Ham are included in the description to this podcast. And you can also buy us a beer and support the pod at buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham. We've got through that already. We were, I was going to say what's coming up on the show. We'll have some uh, Europa League reaction, but I'm not going to say that anymore because um, we've done it. We've done it all in one in that extensive introduction. We'll have a little bit of a chat. We didn't cover it much last week about Daniel Kratinsky and the money he's poured in. We'll have some Betway charity bets. Opposition few with Dan from the Wolves podcast later on. A summary of the West Ham women who are playing tonight before some final thoughts for another week. Stay with us. All that next. Cool. Well, James... Quite the elaborate introduction there. Didn't even have time uh, to do what I normally do, lead into the show, do the housekeeping, just straight into the, the ticket stuff. Um, not nice stuff overall, very disappointing. And to have a ban is obviously uh, it's quite, quite a big deal, really. And obviously the fact we're um, looking like me and you personally are going to suffer out of it just makes it that little bit worse. But um, yeah, not good stuff. Uh, from from all concerned, really, UEFA, the fans involved, um, and, and certainly Genk as well. I think, just one final note on that, James, I think West Ham have dealt with it as best they can, really. The, I was very much Tom Clark, friend of ours, Football London reporter, uh, put out a tweet the other day saying, not sure which side he falls on it. Uh, is it more important to have fans at the away game or you know, the Austria one. And I just said, you can't put the benefit of having fans at an away knockout game over the moral disgrace that is like banning 1,700 fans anyway. And and like loads of us being out of pocket to the tune of hundreds of pounds. That's not how it works. Just final thought, Jonesy, would you have liked to have seen UEFA defer it, given that we're guaranteed to have qualified already? Do you think it would have been reason, more reasonable for them to say, right, you've got a ban, it applies to your first away knockout game? Like, you've obviously booked and travelled to Vienna, um, but so therefore, 
you know, it's it's deferred. Like we've seen that in Europe before, haven't we? Like international teams have got banned for whatever racism, violence, whatever the crimes were, where it's like, oh, you've got a you've got a free match ban that start and the the, the sentence begins on X. Like it's within their power to do that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the the hungry fans in England game a few months back, yeah. um, they were they were given a two game ban. Uh, one suspended for two years, I think it was. Um, so and they were, I mean, storming turnstiles is bad enough, but the, what hungry fans are doing are far more disgraceful um, in terms of racist chanting and Nazi salutes and, and all the rest of it. Objects um, thrown in the pitch. Yeah. Objects thrown in the pitch and at players and stuff like that. So, and, and they were quite happy to go, okay, well, you've got two game banned, but one suspended for two or three years. I can't remember what exactly what the timeline was, but, you know. So it's certainly within their power to do that. Um, I mean, some people will go, I'd rather miss this so that we can go to the to the knockout. Yeah, but I don't think, don't you think because of the money? Yeah, Yeah. I mean, that's, that's that's a fair thought process and fair argument. But when you consider the fact that, you know, quite a large, I would have thought, a, a, a fair amount of the fans that had already booked up to go to Vienna perhaps might not be able to go to any of the knockout games. Maybe this was maybe. their own maybe this was their only opportunity to go and see West Ham play in Europe. This we season. haven't got endless pots of money, have we? We no. were sort of in and are in do we do this one or wait? And yeah, it's just like the irony being we had such or I had such a good time in Genk and it was like, come on, mate, we oh, we should definitely just do this one. You know, you never know what's going to happen in the next round or if the time off and all that. Plenty of people this have been, like, people don't have pots and pots of money just lying around, do they? No, and the reality is that the deeper we get into into the competition, you know, and, and we're, we're looking good for it, and hopefully the draw, the draw is kind enough for us to be able to go a little bit deeper than you know, beyond the round of 16 and, um, and, and the quarterfinals and perhaps semifinals and because, you know, we've earned the right to dream of that. And the reality is, is that, well, we're not. Those games are going to get bigger. The opposition's going to get better. It means that those, the, the, the appetite to travel is going to be, is going to be larger for those games. But it also means that we might have, you know, there's going to be a much bigger scramble for those sort of tickets. So these sort of games were probably the best opportunity to, to, to go for a lot of fans. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I just think it's a difficult difficult position for the club to be in. Uh, I understand why they decided against... I kind of understand why they decided against um, appealing. Appealing. Because appealing would have, would have suspended... It would have, would have allowed fans to go because it would have gone into an appeal process. Hmm. Um, so fans would have been able to actually go and you know go and do what their money what they spent their money on. But then there is the risk then, and I think the, the club have looked at the evidence and gone, well, you know, it just means that fans won't be able to go well, to the knockout exactly. game. And, you know, I can see why they've not done it. It's disappointing, um, but I think UEFA have got a lot. You to get the sense, don't you? Time. Yeah, but you do get the sense that the evidence was just like irrefutable. It's like, well, this I mean, is what we think you've done. Ah, oh, the time is awful. Okay, here's a video of 150 people barging through the turnstiles. Oh, yeah, okay, we're not going to appeal that. Like, yeah. yeah, 
appealing just to when it's like clear that's not going to do anyone any favors is it but um look that's that's where we are jonesy the takeover daniel kratinsky czech billionaire uh, bought a stake in West Ham, 27%, I believe it was, um, in what many people are assuming is going to be is sort of the beginning of the end for David Gold, David Sullivan, uh, Karen Brady, I don't know, but certainly certainly Golden Sullivan. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, what, what did you make of the news? I think we, it was sort of awkward timing. It kind of got announced just after the end of our recording last week. Uh, so it feels a bit old news for some people, I'm sure, but we haven't had our say on it. So we wanted to touch on it briefly. Uh, thoughts, any detail that I've missed there that, that you've heard or whatever that can enlighten the fan, then a bit of opinion, of course. Well, I think it's good for the club. I think it's, we're in a far better position compared to the, 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 the recent takeover talks involving PAI. I think this is a far better proposition for the club moving forward. The guy knows how to run a football club. He's been he's involved at Sparta. Um, I particularly like the way that it's... Oh, I'm going to say I particularly like it, but it's interesting how he's only gone and bought, bought 27%. I think we all know the reason why is that it means Golden Sullivan still have a controlling stake, or Sullivan at least has a controlling stake. And it means that when the time he's buying himself a little bit more time in terms of that agreement with the government and the stadium and selling it within a certain time frame. I think that expires in a couple of years, but it also gives Daniel Kutinsky time. And I'm sure this will, this will, if he is serious about eventually taking a controlling stake and buying the club outright, gives him time to sell his, his interest in, in Sparta because obviously you can't have both clubs have a controlling stake in both clubs. And I think, UEFA and Premier League rules state that a controlling stake is seen by them as 30.1%. Yeah, or 31, whatever, yeah. Something yeah. like that. So it means that it gives him time to, to sell up at Sparta and then eventually he'll take over and then Golden Sullivan are happy because they haven't got to give money back to the taxpayer when they do eventually sell up and, and, and then we go from there. But it's a good cash injection into, into the football club, first and foremost. Um, I, I did read somewhere that it means that it's wiped our debts or wiped the majority of our debts. Um, yeah, does that, I mean, you're, you, does that include debts to Golden Sullivan? Or? I, I don't know about that, but, but um, first and foremost, the, the transfer debt that we've got, which I think when we spoke to um, Kieran Maguire last season, he, was, he, he mentioned it was around about 80 million quid which we owe mm. to other clubs, which is probably more now because we've done a little bit more business since then. But mate, um, sorry, like you're not going to, they're not going to pay that off. If they'll, they'll be structured debts, won't they? They won't just be debts that like they're knocking on the door every morning going, have you got our money yet? They're structured <laughs> debts, but the debts are the same. You know, it, it does having that sort of debt there is, is still technically the transfer budget. Yeah, but they're not going to, that's what I'm saying. When you say wipe them out, they're not going to have paid them off, are they? Like if they own Man United 10 million over five years, they're still going to pay them over five years, aren't they? Well, they might do. We don't know. We don't know how it works. No, they will. Really of course. But, I mean, There's no way in a million what, years. What I've what I've read is that um, it has it has wiped a significant amount of our debt, if not all of it. I don't I don't know what yeah, that yeah. debt is or where that debt. Bank loans, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But um, it means that you know. Um, I read this morning that it means that okay, we're not going to have. You know, Newcastle levels of money to spend in a transfer window, 
Mm. But it means that going into January, we're going to have a little bit more to spend than perhaps we did before. He, he's quite yeah. willing to, to invest a little bit of money into the playing squad, which yeah. puts us in a very good position because, you know, we all know the situation that we're in from a, from a squad depth point of view. We need to invest in certain positions in the squad, particularly with Ogbonna's recent injury. Um, so, yeah, I think it's good for the club. Um, it'd be interesting to see, you know, where, what is to come, whether it's a quick... It's a quick buyout in terms of maybe next year he buys a little bit more, next year he buys a little bit more, or he's quite happy just to sit on that for the time being and, and wait for the deadline in terms of this this deal that Golden Sullivan have got with LLDC. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm quite pleased with it. Um, everyone knows my views on the whole PAI thing, and yeah, and if not that, so I, I think this is much more positive from an investment point of view for the club. Yeah, 3.9 billion Daniel Kutinsky's worth. Uh, David Sullivan's worth is believed to be around uh, between 1.2 and 1.5-ish. David Gold, somewhere around the 450 million mark. Obviously, David Gold getting on a bit now. Saw him uh, from very close quarters not too long ago. Doesn't look overly well, Um, which just while we're on that topic, I I haven't really aired it, but... I mean, I, saw, I understand it. I understood it before over previous years, but having seen him quite close now, he's like 80, 84 years old, I believe. Forgive me if I've got that wrong. Um, but it doesn't doesn't look very well. Yeah, 85 years, sorry, 85 years old. People still digging him out on Twitter. Poor taste, man. Yeah. Knock it on the head now. I understand what, what people have got um, views, strong views about what he has or hasn't done to the club. I like... Yeah, I spent some time with my granddad the other day, who's 84. The idea of people like giving him abuse in the street or whatever, or on Twitter, not that my granddad goes on Twitter, but yeah, I think it's time that that's knocked on the head now with David Gold. You can have your views, but it, it that that's fine. What is what's gone before? But then you, you're in the you're well and truly in the region now, just picking on an 85 year old man, mm-hmm. and if if you're feelings about what he has or hasn't done to your football club override the the base morals of whether you think it's acceptable to abuse an 85 year old man or not who looks frail yeah you need to have a look at yourself quite frankly 100%, so I just mate. sorry mate i've been thinking that for a long time and uh, i haven't brought it up and uh no you honestly mate especially when i, I saw him i agree and i you know, there's a couple of people like digging him out for his spellings on twitter he's a bit dyslexic anyway it might be easy to go oh stay away from twitter then it's not doing anyone any harm anymore it's like you know i just think giving him stick is very distasteful now um yeah so kratinsky very wealthy man uh obviously better than the pai stuff as well mate and it does seem to be that um you know this is basically going to be the shift isn't it um do you know I i think it's energy he made his money in jonesy Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I think I think that's the origins of his wealth. Um, I'm assuming have... you know this, James, that he runs and owns Energetiki Aprilumskovsky Holdings. Yeah, yeah, that's the business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought you were gonna. He's yeah, the few, biggest so. energy group in Central Europe. So, uh, yeah, old coal power plants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah blah blah. Um, also owns stake in French newspaper Le Monde, German retail giant Metro. Uh, owns a little bit of Royal Mail, um, bit of Macy's. Uh, we at Sainsbury's as well, wasn't he? 
Yeah, potentially. Yeah, he's apparently got a law degree from the Masaryk University. He's in a relationship. <laughs> it's all according to Forbes, well, by the way. I'm not just like reading it out of Hello magazine. Apparently, the, the relationship he's in is the, her, her father is, is like worth like tw- 15 times more than Kretinsky. Is he? Like apparently, just what I've, what I've seen, apparently he's the richest man in, in Czech Republic. Right. Um, but they're not married. So um, ideally, we want him to get married as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get yeah, married as soon like, as possible, please, mate. Tie down, that, tie down that inheritance whenever you can, yeah. Is it, um, is it as like headline-worthy or gossip-worthy, Jonesy, as uh, uh, David Sullivan's recent change in relationship status uh, with, I believe, his other half is one of the real housewives of Cheshire? Am I right in saying that? Yeah, that is correct. Yeah. Mm. Um, I don't know, mate. If I'm Some wealthy people in Cheshire, but you feel like it's a bit different league to uh, Kratinsky's soon-to-be, hopefully soon-to-be father-in-law. Yeah, um, completely different ball game, I think. Completely different <laughs> ball game. <laughs> well, um, yeah, there we go. Yeah, overall, it seems like a good move for West Ham at a uh, what is a good time for West Ham. James, we need to move this podcast on. We've taken a lot of time in the intro already. I think we've done that. Uh, ticket and stuff in Rapid Vienna. Uh, we'll probably go out there. And what we could do, James, we were planning on, excuse me, doing some recordings, weren't we? Um, so perhaps we'll just interview locals about, uh, we'll do a sightseeing podcast next week rather than one about West Ham. Yeah, nice little spin off. We, <laughs> exactly. We are Vienna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are West Ham goes continental. <laughs> we are West Ham does travel. Yeah, I can make it. You never know. It can make our fortune. Couldn't it? We can be We are West Ham things and just have loads of little shoot offs. Anyway, enough of that. Let's get back to, uh, to what we know best. And that is uh, We are West Ham podcast, football podcast, and Betway Charity Bets. That's next. No Betway charity bets last week, James, as it was the international break, of course. However, uh, we've got a chance to win some money for our respective charities this week. I am, of course, playing for the Bobby Moore Fund. You're playing for the Dylan Tombides DT38 Foundation. And Reese Bayliss is playing for Isla's Fight. Uh, Jonesy, you go first, if you don't mind, uh, for your selection for the Wolves game. This weekend, Wolverhampton Wanderers away at Molyneux. I'm going West Ham win. Right. Owen any time, obviously. Like it. Uh, and Sai Ben Rama any time as well. Yeah? Uh, I, think, I think he'll get in amongst the goals. Um, so, yeah, both of those will be on the score sheet. West Ham to win. Happy days. Okay, nice one. Um, I've gone for Pablo Fornells again because, you know, He's my new favourite now. He won me some money against Aston Villa. Uh, loving his football at the moment. I'm not sure. I've got a sneaky feeling that Mikel Antonio, who, by the way, uh, gave hats off and said thank you to David Sullivan for laying on a private jet to flying back from international duty so that he's ready and raring to go for the weekend's game at Wolves. So, uh, yeah, nice little gesture that. Hats off to Mr Sullivan for that one. Um, I don't think... Despite the private jet back he's got laid on for him, 
I still think he's going to be a bit worn out. So I think the goals are going to come from further back down the pitch. Your bonus shout might not be bad, but I've gone Pablo Fornells anytime. Both teams to score, and I've gone draw half time, West Ham full time. Uh, don't really know where the inspiration from that came from. I fancy shaking it up a little bit, uh, like it I might did. Have been it. Me, mate, might be me. I did that last week. Yeah. Yeah, and it came in oh, as well. well. Yeah, well, there you go, mate. There you go. You know, I uh, look up to you and you're an all-round idol of mine. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I should have said that with a straight face, shouldn't I? Stop I it, Rob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's mine. Can you read out? Can you give us Reese Bayliss's? Reese has gone over two and a half. Uh, yep. Big Tommy Suchek any time. And yep. as always, he's gone for a penalty to be awarded. He likes that bet, doesn't he? I just, I just can't see it happening, to be quite honest with you. But um, fair play. Uh, just a reminder that Betway give us £50 each as a charity stake each and every week for each one of West Ham's Premier League games over the season. Any winnings from those bets go to the charities that we're playing for, as I just mentioned. James, we've got a few quid in the pot already, haven't we? Can you just give us a little reminder of that or am I putting you on the spot? You put me on the spot, but I reckon I can get it out pretty quickly. Um, you know your way around Twitter, don't you, mate? Yeah, mate. Yeah, I just um, will. So, and uh, a reminder, of course, while Jones is looking for those, that any of these bets that you like the sound of, you can back for real uh, on the Betway website or app. So just go to, for this game in particular, just go to the Wolves West Ham game. Uh, go to pre-built bets and under pre-built bets, you'll find the We Are West Ham podcast bets. Mine will have my name on it. James's will have his and Reese Bayliss will have his, of course. And you can back those if you like the sound of them for real. I've had some couple of big winners so far this season. So uh, we've got a pretty good track record. So just a reminder, you can do that over at the Betway website or app. Jonesy, how is that for a link? Are you ready, sir? I am ready. Uh, perfect, mate. Uh, Will, you've got 1,225 in a pump. Yeah. Uh, Reese, 525. I've got yep. a big fat zero. Yeah. Uh, once we take into account Betway matching it at the end of the season, which I've kindly agreed to do, it'd be £3,500 so far this season. Lovely stuff, mate. Lovely stuff. We got to 12 and a half, didn't we, this time last year? So we've actually, if we're going to be on track for that, we've got a bit of making up to do, haven't we, at the moment? What, we middle of November? got sort of christmas time or was it then yeah christmas time ish when the the calendar like goes round and starts again and we play all the teams for the second round yeah so calendars work mate you just go back to january <laughs> no i mean as far as the fixtures go <laughs> i don't know exactly when our 19th game is but thanks uh, no yeah you, no you're absolutely right i think we, we are we're tracking just behind the run rate i think so far but um, don't forget, I pulled in a 40 to 1. It was around about what April mm. last year, yeah, yeah, that's true. February, mate. March, yeah, yeah. April time, so mm. yeah, just got to pull in one or two more of those and I'll be happy. Just one would be nice, mate, to be honest. Yeah, I'll have a two this year, you know, yeah, dream big and all that, yeah, 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 exactly, mate. All right, well, now we've uh finally filled me in on, on the, the months and how many of them there are and what it means as far as the years go. <laughs> I think I think we can uh, we can move on. But yeah, fingers crossed we've got another winner coming in this week. I think we're up on volume, but slightly down on amount we were last year. So uh, uh, 
Um, yeah, it's just like good and good and bad. Positives and negatives to take, Jonesy, but we always look at the bright side here on the We Are West Ham podcast, as uh, we will hope to do next when we speak to Dan from the Wolves 77 Club podcast. That's in the opposition view. That is next. <laughs> Delighted to say, joining us on the We Are West Ham podcast is another one of our favourite opposition views we have actually at the Wolf 77 Club. We've had uh, a few of the guys on on over the last few seasons. They're always good crack. I'm delighted to say that joining us tonight is Dan Bayliss. Uh, Dan, uh, before we get to it, we'll do a little bit of admin. I've just done the housekeeping for hours. Can you please tell us, in case anyone was wondering, what your Twitter handle is? <laughs> it's 77 Club Podcast over on Twitter. Um you can search us on Facebook. I think it's Wolf Seventy Seven Club. Um, we're the same place as every other podcast. Wherever you've got a podcast, just type in <laughs> yeah. Wolves, and you, you listen to us chat rubbish. Up you pup, up you pup. Look, Dan, it's uh, it's brilliant to have you on the show, mate. We appreciate you you giving us your time. Uh, it's a, it's an interesting season for Wolves um, as a club who I think West Ham would sort of say sitting that or before this season or last perhaps just sitting that same bracket as us really of just like middle block of the of the Premier League no real risk of going down not too much danger of doing anything up the top end either uh, I think your manager because he's a relatively unknown to most Premier League fans uh, and you're sitting in eighth at the moment I, w- I think it's fair to say there's other stories that have, have grabbed headlines more than than Wolves this season is that a fair assumption? And, and what have you made? Because I'm assuming you're still watching your club week in, week out, even though uh, the rest of us might not. Yeah, I think that's a totally fair assumption to us. It's a it's a proper transition season, to be straight with you. You know, Nuno going probably was the right thing. I think the football towards the end of his reign wasn't very interesting to watch. I mean, if, you, if you're making the slip up to Wolverhampton or wherever you are in the country to go and watch it, um, some of it got a bit taxing. And it did rattle the fans at the time. Um you know, split it down the middle. Twitter was a, a bomb site. You just couldn't go near it. Um, <laughs> it's funny. So like it's always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, actually, because uh, obviously through this, we, we tend to follow the opposition view accounts that we do. And Wolves, honestly, they're on our the We Are West Ham podcast home feed. It's dominated more by Wolves than it is any other club. And we follow accounts from lots of different teams. It's hilarious. Oh, honestly, it, it's um, it probably is a little bit toxic sometimes. <laughs> um, Wolves fans are very opinionated they're very passionate about their team and they've got 140 characters more than that now however many they've got to uh, go and get stuck in about it and they do um, I mean if you've got a controversial viewpoint about Wolves they'll let you know if they agree or disagree which is great <laughs> like, that's the whole point of the conversation um, yeah, yeah. getting called getting called some uh, unmentionable things probably isn't as much fun but, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, listen, Dan, look, before we get onto the football and, and the game coming up at the weekend and that sort of thing, we've been having a chat on the podcast tonight. West Ham have, um, have been received an away fan ban for their next Europa League game after 150 approximately West Ham fans stormed the turnstiles at Genk away a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Wolves were relatively sort of had a foray into European football recently, which was quite a novel thing for, for your fans as it was for us. How did you find that whole experience and did you ever sort of rub up against UEFA in, in the Well we were we or... were part of an away we were part of a stadium ban. You heard really? About yeah, no, yeah, yeah. We we played um oh I can't remember the full name of the team, but Bratislava essentially. Bratislava's team. And um because their fans have been racist, they closed the whole stadium so no away fans 
other than Wolves got given a couple of hundred tickets. Um, and the club gave them away to people that have been to like Armenia for the round before, yeah, and yeah, yeah. a few people. Um, so you weren't supposed to go. You're told that it was supposed to be a banned closed shop, no one in the ground. Just before that, UEFA went, actually, we're going to give all the tickets away to school kids. You've never seen so many 35-year-old Eastern European school kids in your life when you get in the ground. <laughs> um, so there were still... There's still loads of Wolves fans out there enjoying the sort of uh, festivities. And um, I mean, it's probably going to get us in trouble, but everyone everyone who follows us knows already. Um, we went out there. We just thought, you know what? Cheap flights, beer, end of the summer. We'll go. Great day. Great couple of days out there. Um, we thought, oh, near the game. We're going to have a walk around the stadium just, just in case. Just in case. Did a couple of laps. There was a towel every about 20 steps. <laughs> And then they were checking to see if you were a school kid. So you just got in a queue with a load of 12-year-olds, got at the back, and they were talking, obviously, in um, Slovakian. And we were just like... Yeah, yeah. With your school time and in your blazer. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, if I lose the beard, I'd get away with it, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were straight in. Yeah. So we did... Uh, yeah, so we were in the stadium. It was loud because it was just kids screaming for the whole thing. But um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah, you go. Well, there's a, there's he... a story. That is, yeah, it's an excellent anecdote. So you're eighth in the league at the moment, mate. You, you were saying just before we come on air, you used the word dross uh, that you because teams you played against. It's, it's not been that entertaining for Wolves fans this season? No, I think we've played against the dross. That's been the problem, is that um, we had a good run. No doubt about it. We picked up points that we definitely needed to. And in that period, we played a bit of good football in there. But it was probably against the teams that you should beat. And we did beat them. You know, the Villa was a, was an interesting game like we were two nil down and a little bit out of it and to score three in the last 10 minutes is just unbelievable every fan's dream great take it all day long but you look at that run of games we did well we did the job we got the points but we probably weren't fantastic um but there are signs there are signs of good football in there i think we have a little bit of an issue at the back and a little bit of issue up top both of which have sort of proven themselves in different ways over the last few weeks Palace was a bit of a disaster, to be perfectly honest. Um, we got exactly what we deserved. Wolves did a classic. Let's hold it up for till half time. Sit deep, let them come at us, kill the game, and then after half time, Wolves normally come out, have a go for 15, 20 minutes. Might get one about 70 minutes, and then they—that's how they manage the game. It's starting to come good. Raul's looked a lot better since his injury, which was always going to take time. And the guy in on loan, Huang, has been pretty good so far. Um, no one can really complain about that. It's worth ethic. Ethic is really good. Um, he did give away a crap goal against Newcastle, but um, there you go. You're not going to be perfect every time. I think our issue is is that we've always tried to play with wing backs, and at the moment they're just not firing going forward, yeah. especially. We can be defensively quite tight for good periods of a game, but it seems to take one error, one slip, and we've conceded. Whereas it will take us three or four chances to really bag one. Um, and against better teams, that's why you that's why you end up at eighth, ninth, tenth, and not sixth, fifth, fourth. So, you know, Palace away, we're coming off the back of a really bad game, in all fairness. I thought we were properly poor against Palace. We we did a Wolves classic, stay tight till half-time, defend, 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 absorb the pressure. We normally then come out in the second half, have a go, pinch on about 70 minutes and either try and kill the game off or, or stay tight. And we didn't attack. We just didn't create anything on the day. And that did worry me. So from a Wolves fan perspective, we've got to show something against West Ham. And I know you guys are playing fantastically well at the moment. Probably the best you've played, what, last four or five years? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, 
the, the, the seat, I mean, probably longer than that, if I'm honest, Dan. Um, mm. We've we moved into the stadium with a lot of promises from the board and didn't see any of that come to fruition until David Moyes returned for a second spell and then suddenly during lockdown and all of that. And then now we're, we're having a good time. But before we get onto the game, Dan, I, I wanted to, you, you've spoken a lot about form this season, you know, probably the right time to get rid of Nuno. You're off the back of before last season, what two back to back to back seventh place finishes. What's the yeah. what's the the expectation amongst Wolves fans in terms of achievement each season? Because I look at the squad and see a good core a core of good, very good Premier League footballers. Um but it seems to be particularly last season it's very consistent. I don't know if you'd agree with that. I think you're going to struggle without, if you have someone that, maybe not use the word world class, that is massively overused, but a top striker, a striker that is going to score you double digit goals upwards in the Premier League, to lose him in the way we lost him, it was never going to end particularly well that season for us. So I think you can't really critique the team based on the performances last year. But then again, Nuno's football was poor, it was boring. And there's no two ways about that. I think a change was the right thing to do. Um, it's now about how we respond to it more than mm-hmm. anything. So what's the, is the expectation top half every season or is it kind of, I mean, I'm just intrigued because you had two very good seasons when you first yeah. came up and it's kind of. Totally. And I think you get a bit of that first season, second season syndrome where we were playing well and teams didn't really know how to work us out. And that's yep. probably gone now. And large is coming in. This season, personally, I see it as just a, let's go again. Let's give the manager a bit of time. Let's give him some money, more importantly, and let him bring his team together rather than just inheriting Nuno's. And that takes a lot from the owners to come and step up and do it. We we thought we had quite a poor transfer window in the summer and we didn't back him. There was a lot of sort of shouting on the social media about that. But I do think he's if he's given that chance in January or maybe over the next summer, he can bring his own team together. And as you've said, we have got a good core of a team. Matinho mm-hmm. probably is starting to go towards the end of his career, but Neves is superb. We do need some centre-backs desperately and I think the wing-backs aren't good enough. But in terms of young talent going forward, we we have got it in abundance. It's just making it work as a team. So short-term expectations for me is let this season run. Let it go its course. We aren't going to get relegated. We're probably not going to get into Europe, but let's try and enjoy watching the football and then really back him and stick with him. We know the areas where we need to get stronger. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. But we've got to see the new owners that came in that got us to this point and took us from League One to being in Europe and the fans having one hell of a time. Mm. We need, we all want that. And that's what we want to do consistently. And for us to do that, they've got to back it. They've got to put the money in because that's the way you get there, isn't it? There's no other way to do it. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely. Let's, let's look ahead to, to, to this weekend's game. Then you mentioned obviously the form that, that West Ham are in um, last season when we came to money. I think last season was the, we won, we won, Earlier in the season, 4-0 at the stadium. I think that was the first time we'd scored any goals against Wolves since you were promoted. Yeah, two 3-0s and a 1-0 at your place, I think. Yeah, I I think so. But, I mean, I remember going into that game at the beginning of last season going, it'd be nice just to score one, at least. At least so we can break that duck. Um, And it was a a surprise 4-0 win. And then the Jesse Lingard show at Molyneux later on in the season. Um, We started in the exact same, same vein this season. What is it about West Ham that you might be particularly worried about going into this game and, and how also, how can, what is it that West Ham can be worried about with Wolves? I don't know. I, winning's habitual, isn't it? And when you've got a team on the up with the confidence to take their chances, 
try that bit of skill, beat their man, do something a bit special. It, it tends to carry on that way. Um, and it's never going to last forever. But I've watched West Ham a couple of times this season. I thought they were just absolutely superb. The best of the rest by a good distance and better than most of the other London teams. So I think we're in for a real tough day, to be honest. Um, I can't put my finger on exactly what it is. I mean, who's Moyes brought in within the last sort of six months to really change the team? I can't name anyone. Well, I mean, flash, uh, no, Zoom at the back has been probably one of the, the biggest one. Because um, particularly now we've lost Doug Bonner to injury, but you know he, he was an upgrade on on Dawson, who was superb last year. But kind of we needed an upgrade. Um, mm-hmm. But beyond that, I mean, Vlasic has been okay. In you know, he's not really set the world alight. Um, but it's pretty much other than that. You know, we've got Ariola in goal, Crow in midfield, who's barely played. Um, other than that, it's last season squad. To be fair, I do think you always when you come up against West Ham, you always expect to see a good team. Mm-hmm. And you're going to play against high-quality players. And they haven't always played particularly well together. I don't know. I'm looking at this from the outside in, obviously. But when you've, when, especially the, the couple of 3-0 games we had against you guys, it just looked like a load of individuals. Wolves played fairly well with a decent strike line. And you're winning the game. Mm-hmm. Whereas now it does seem a lot more cohesive. There's, there's something going on that's different to what I've watched of you guys before. Well, that's what David. That's one of the key things that fans have noticed about David Morris. Is well, you're all and, booing him not long ago. Well, we were booing his, his return at the beginning. To be fair, um, I mean, in all fairness, Wolves fans are fickle, right? We are really fickle. But you yeah. lot take take the prize. You are the well, most fickle fans. I mean, when you move stadiums and you you, you, you promised Champions League football and world class yeah. team in a world class stadium, and then you rock up and it's not definitely not a world class stadium, let alone a world class team, and then. You have four or five relegation battles and then suddenly you bring David Moyes back for a second stint and it's like, where's the ambition? But it turns out, turns out right, we, were, yeah. we were very, very wrong. But one thing he has done, um, and all credit to him, is he's he's brought in this sort of just this team team spirit that, you know, when you've got players coming out after games going, they, they can't wait to go to training every morning. You, know, you very rarely hear that from any football club, let alone West Ham. So, it's one of the big things, but in terms of Wolves, what can what can West Ham be potentially worried about? I mean, I'm always worried about Adama Traore, but he's gone off the board a little bit, hasn't he? But no, he hasn't I, played I, a lot, to be honest. He hasn't played a lot should, of football. Do Wolves fans want to see him more? Do you think? Do you think perhaps Adama Traore is is the is the player that can cause West Ham problems? We can cause anybody problems. He just yeah. has to be on his day, and Wolves has to be playing. On the offensive, I don't know what happened against Palace. I just can't put my finger on why we were so poor, mm-hmm. why we didn't create any attacking threats. Um, and hot and cold is the right way to look at us this year. We'll turn up one week, the next week, you know, you just see, you just tell they're not, they're not in it today. That we wouldn't score if we played for a week. Um, we're due a good one. That's the only thing I'd say. Um, even though I think you're fantastic, I think the football you're playing is so good. Um, it's what I'd love to see at the moment at Molyneux but we're due one and I think the home crowd really need one I think they're going to be behind them I think after a bad result you'll see the fans really get stuck in behind Wolves and um, if we get a good start I'd hope to say that we could just push on and just sort of kill the threat a little bit but you know all the pundits will be saying away win so Mm. it's um, 
one of them. But I think our, our threat is more in being at home, being at Molyneux, even though our record is it doesn't look great. Um, it's more just Wolves turning up on the day and we are genuinely due one. I mean, I must say it's quite refreshing even now to hear fans talk about how how impressed they've been with West Ham because for so many years we've just been so used to fans going, caught look forward to playing West Ham this weekend. It's, a, it's an easy three points. Um, we're just loving every minute of this. It's completely true, though, isn't it? I'm not. Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to fluff you up. It's just genuinely no, right. No, no. And no, I mean, a few good. years ago, um, it was the one nil that when Traore scored in the last second. Yep. For my sins, I went with my mate. I went with some mates, and we were in the West Ham end, and I was obviously sitting on my hands and all that sort of stuff. But not really. Not that much happened in the game. But hurling abuse, you know. Oh, just it was just literally a load of cockneys going bloody hell. We're absolutely rubbish at this. Oh, oh. Oh, bad God, is, I was like, oh, this is hostile. Um, and when we scored in the last second, I've never seen anything like it. Like, went nuts. So for you guys to now be all singing praises and happy, it's, it's quite a nice role reversal, surely. Like, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's um, it's come almost unexpectedly, which is kind of a lot of West Ham fans are still in a bit of shock as to oh, what on earth's going on. Like, we didn't see this one coming, but. We'll take it. We'll take Enjoy it. it. Enjoy it while it's there. Oh, we definitely will. We definitely will. But before I let you go, Dan, let's have a score prediction for, for Saturday. Can't. I'm going to be positive and say that we will turn up and we're going to pinch it 2-1 just to Ooh. turn the tide on all the pundits because they don't know anything. Fair. Fair. I like that. I think I'm going to go... I think we will take all three points. I'm going to go 2-1 to West Ham. So we're both going with two one each way. Um, I think Antonio's had a good good international break, two and two for Jamaica, and I think he's going to come back with a lot of confidence um, yeah. if his hamstrings are still in still intact because that's the only that's the big worry for us. Um, but we just look very good going forward, and I think I think yeah, there'll definitely be goals either way. Um, so yeah, Dan, thanks so much for for joining us. No uh, on the opposite view, and I apologise for Will going missing midway through the <laughs> through the. Just, um, Empty podium, then. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know when he'll be back. I might be doing this, doing the rest of the episode on my own at this rate. But uh, no, I appreciate coming on, Dan, and um, good luck to Wolves for the rest of the season. Dan there, Jonesy from the Wolves Seventy Seven Club podcast. Absolutely raving about West Ham United, and uh, I'd just like to apologise to everyone as well for my uh, for my ab- absence towards the end of that um, interview. The eagle-eared among you, and I know that's not the phrase, uh, but I don't know what the ear equivalent is to eagle-eyed. Do you know what that is, Jonesy? Well, you got eagle-eyed as if you're good eyesight. Was it bat-eared? But there's not really one for hair-eared. What other animals have got good hearing? Um, hairs? No, like hairs. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, I don't know, mate, to be honest. No, no. Elephant eared? They're pretty... <laughs> they've well, they got it, big it? ears, aren't they? No, no. None of them are quite as good as eagle-eyed, are they? No. Uh, we'll stick with eagle-eared for the moment. So the eagle-eared listeners among you uh, may have noticed that I started that interview uh, with Dan from the Wolves 77 Club and then Jonesy asked the second half of the questions and wrapped it up. Uh, that was, in fact... Just let you behind the curtain here a little bit because the uh, painter turned up at the flat to give me a prize for painting my bedroom and my living room and had to show him around. So hats off to Jonesy there. Massive apologies for keeping him waiting. Fortunately, it didn't keep you lot waiting. You were just that <laughs> 40 minutes of uh, silence while Jonesy was twiddling his thumbs waiting for me. It will be edited out as if it never happened. But yeah, Jonesy, Dan, 
Um, obviously, interesting story from him, first of all, about the Europa League, uh, saying that a lot of Wolves fans got into the ground anyway. Obviously, we don't condone any of that, but it's, you know, if, if Rapid Vienna... And I heard this a very sort of... This is rumour stuff as opposed to anything that's been stood up or, you know, it might be completely not true at all. Um, but I heard Rapid Vienna had a similar situation not long ago and that, like, Dynamo Zagreb fans were, like be able to get their hands on tickets for the home end uh, when perhaps they wouldn't have been able to. But you, you think it's difficult. Obviously, you think maybe Vienna might have measures in place, but surely that would be the next best thing. Or sorry, not the next best thing. That's not what I meant at all. That would be the next logical step for some supporters is to think, well, if I can still go to the game then and I can get a ticket, then I will. Do you think that will be something a lot of fans do or... Given in, bearing in mind, of course, that we must add that the club are encouraging fans not to go, aren't they? Yeah, I think their wording is we strongly advise fans against travelling to Vienna full stop, let alone mm. trying to get in. Um, I think I think there will be fans that will um, will be trying to obtain tickets in the home end. Um, mm. Fans will do it, but as much as they probably shouldn't, like we already know exactly what they're going to do. Um, so yeah. I think if 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 people are choosing to do that, all you've got to just be safe, isn't it? Rapid Vienna, I think, have got quite a um, quite a reputation. We saw what their fans were like here. I think they're, uh, as far as I understand it, anyway, uh, they're ultras, if you like, sort of like one whole end. So if you are going to do that, try and be a bit safe with it. Uh, do your research first. Find out areas of the grounds that are, that are safe to sit in. Obviously. Um, yeah, if you want to enjoy the game, try and keep keep uh, a little bit sort of, well, just hopefully we don't get another ban off of the back of uh, uh, anything that might occur in Vienna next Thursday. But I think, Josie, look, stop dancing around it. The idea that, that fans are just going to not go all of a sudden if they've weighed out money and got time off work just because the club strongly advise it. The club have got to say that. And again, we're not sort of criticising the club at all, but um yeah fans are going to go and if they paid they're more than entitled to do that aren't they and if they can get in the ground people are probably going to do that as well yeah um anyway enough of that uh josie what else did dan uh have to say there after i went you sort of very positive about about west ham this season understandably we are third yeah that means very very positive and about... massive oh yeah i mean go hand in hand doesn't it but yeah um yeah he was very very complimentary of west ham uh, said he, you know, he watched us a couple of times this season. Was very, very impressed. Um, you know, and he said that you know, with Wolves blowing hot and cold, they're kind of because they they blew cold in their last game against Palace. He's kind of half expecting a bit of a performance from Wolves. Um, and I asked him particularly about Adama Traore and how inconsistent he is and whether that yeah. is kind of whether that kind of links into Wolves' inconsistency. And he said, you know, on his day, you can, you can hurt anyone. And I fit. I mean, if he if he plays and he is on his game, then that's one player that I think will probably be have have a hard time keeping quiet, particularly mm. with his pace. His, his end product's a little bit poor. But no, Dan was, Dan was very, very complimentary of West Ham. And I actually said to him that, you know, it makes a change for... It's almost quite still quite weird listening to fans of other clubs praise us and actually say, actually, you know, we're really impressed with West Ham at the moment because, you know, this is such a, although we're just about getting used to us being absolutely massive. Um, it's still quite nice hearing fans of other clubs actually go, no, nah, West Ham are 
a good footballing team. They play really, mm. really good football and very, very impressed them. So, yeah. And then after all of that, he said, uh, I said, I think Wolves will win 2-1. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> yeah, you can't blame him for that, yeah. can you? Um, yeah. Jonesy, so uh, the one thing... Uh, yeah, the one thing, obviously, we've got to think talk about the West Ham women in this section. Another... You don't want to say it, mate. This might be becoming a little bit of a trademark. Uh, certainly, there's been a couple of these in Oli Harder's time. West Ham 2-0 up at home to Reading on Sunday. Lisa Evans scored the first after 19 minutes. Grace Fisk adding a second. Perfect first half to put us 2-0 up. Uh, Reading came back. Ashley Lee Stringer on 70 minutes before Emma Harries on the 93rd minute, the second minute. Sorry, the third minute of added on time to make it two all. West Ham 54% possession to 46, 15 shots to Reading six, six on target to Reading's three. I mean, it's frustrating, isn't it? Really, the the, the girls had the, had the lion's share of uh, of everything, really, other than other than the goals. A win would have put them on 11 points, and that would have been five points above Reading. But as it is, uh, they. they the seventh in the league now, uh, just two points above Reading, who are eighth. Uh, yeah, I was just, just just frustrating, really. We said last last week, especially with it being at home, we said it was like one of those season-defining games and arguably meant more than last week's 4-0 defeat to Arsenal. Uh, what, what you, it's, it's, it's difficult not to feel a little bit flat after that, isn't it? Especially with being in that winning position and, and throwing it away in the last 22 minutes or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating. I mean, it happened back in September at home to Villa. Um, Villa got a 92nd minute equaliser and a one-all draw. The game was a little bit different back then. Villa had the majority of the... I think they had double the amount of chances that we had in the game. So it was kind of almost like, well, they were, West Ham were clinging on in that game. But this one was completely different. You know, you're tuning up after 30, 35 minutes. Um, you should be able to see that game out, build on it. Um, they do say, I know it's a massive cliche. I've had a cliche for a while, to be fair, but 2-0 no, was, was the most dangerous scoreline. I think I think it's... It's a belter, actually. That's like, um, that is cream of uh, the cliche crop. cliche of all cliches, isn't it? It is up um, there, yeah. But, but it's true. I mean, it proved right on at the weekend, you know, and Oli Harder's come out and said that you know, didn't take enough of the chances and it's quite clear that they didn't and they've, they've paid the price but they've got they've got to sort that out they've got to sort that out you know conceding late goals 91st 92nd 93rd minute like, when you're winning you've got to iron that out otherwise it's going to be another season because we've already seen some really promising signs haven't we some mm. signs that you know it can be a relatively comfortable mid-table season um, perhaps push for you know, a top six finish um, if, if they can but it's going to be it, it, the signs have been there but then if, if you're going to drop points in the fashion that they've done at the weekend and the likes of Villa um, well that's the thing mate you it, mentioned it doesn't it. Take, yeah it doesn't take long for the teams below you to start winning games on those weekends and suddenly you, you're dragged straight into it just well, straight back into it that makes it all the more frustrating if you look around. Aston Villa leapfrogged West Ham with their win away at Birmingham 1-0 at the weekend on, on that same Sunday. They were on seven points before, a point behind West Ham. They're now, their goal difference is loads worse. But yeah, they're now in sixth, uh, one point above, one point and one place above West Ham in seventh. Man United also got a draw 
at Everton, uh, with West Ham's goal difference as it would have been, uh, if we'd certainly if they'd have held on to the the two goal lead, we'd have been breathing down Manchester United's neck. We'd have just been the one one point behind them. That would have been another uh, big game on United. But as it is, uh, not to be, and it's sort of it's just put that little bit of distance between uh, between West Ham and those top teams Tottenham uh, as well getting an excellent draw at home to Arsenal on uh, on the 13th that was on on the Saturday uh, Tottenham going great guns at the moment obviously they're West Ham's next opponents in the WSL and that was Arsenal the first time Arsenal haven't won all season so uh, brilliant point for for Spurs but again that puts them on 14 in fourth position that's five points behind West Ham it would have been they would have been in touch in distance going into that game next up against Tottenham uh, West Ham at home to Tottenham in the WSL Sunday the 21st of November three o'clock kickoff uh, as it is quite a bit of distance behind them so a little bit frustrating but uh, yeah it does put a bit more onus on that Spurs game Sunday as we're at time of recording West Ham women are away to Birmingham City tonight in the Conti Cup or the League Cup, whichever you might know it as. Half an hour gone so far and the scores are tied at nil-nil. That wouldn't be the worst result for West Ham. Jonesy, that would make it four points from two games. As we speak, Brighton are also drawing nil-nil against the London City Lionesses, uh, which puts Brighton and West Ham uh, Brighton first, West Ham second, both on four points. Um, similar goal, or same goal difference as well. And then Birmingham and London City Lionesses in third and fourth, respectively, with a point each. So, uh, yeah, obviously hope they uh, manage to get the win. 65% possession so far, two shots and one on target to Birmingham's one and none on target. So, uh, yeah, West Ham in the ascendancy. Fingers crossed they can make that count ahead of a huge game uh, home to Spurs on Sunday Jonesy that game local rivalry obviously uh, Tottenham in great form what a result that is being the first team to stop Arsenal from winning uh, all season uh, what what are, you, what are you making of that game then Sunday home to Spurs big big for so many different reasons it's massive um, and particularly given what happened at the weekend just gone it means that you know if you if we want to be pushing at the right end of the table, we, we need all three points. Um, whereas had we seen out the result of the weekend, then it would have been like, okay, you know, if we don't win this, then it's it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Uh, now it's like, well, we kind of got to win this one now. So not just because it's Spurs and you know local rivalry and all the rest of it. It's we need to win this to make sure we're not sucked into, you know. 9th, 10th through 11th. There's the three teams below us, Reading, Man City, Everton, all on seven. They all win and we, and we don't. Then suddenly we're, we're third from bottom all of a sudden. Mm. So it's massive for, for so many reasons. And, you know, as you said, Tottenham having a great season. It's going to be a big, big, big ask to avoid defeat. Um, but they have shown, like they have shown this season that they can, you know, beaten City this season. Yeah. Absolutely, I know City are having a, having a poor run of it, but they've shown this season that they can beat very, very good teams. Because City, regardless of the form they're in, they've got you know world class players amongst them. Yeah, their so results got to give you hope, isn't it? Yeah, you look at it and go, well, you know, if West Ham can beat Man City, they can beat Spurs, like hundred percent. Mm. Um, so it'll be it'll be a tough game. It'll be a tough game, and maybe you know, loot. The drawing in the in the manner that they did at the weekend might kind of they might learn 
hopefully lessons will be learned a little bit and we can take that into into Spurs at the weekend and try and get a good result. But I think I think looking at it, a point will be a good result, all things considered. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate, absolutely. Well, look, fingers crossed. Uh, hopefully that was uh, that Arsenal game was just a bit of a blip. Honestly, mate, I'd take a draw. I would take a draw at this stage. It's uh, it's Everton, Everton up next. Everton away on the twelfth of December. They've got a week break. Um, no, a couple of weeks break. Sorry, uh, before Everton away on the twelfth of December, which is an important game. But yeah, against Tottenham, the four near in the teams they've beaten this season and that great result they got against Arsenal. Yeah, if you're handing me a draw now, I'd absolutely bite your hand off. Uh, Josie, that's it for the West Ham women for this week. Uh, stay with us because we'll have some final thoughts from the two of us next. Jonesy, that's it for another quite a brief show this week. Uh, good to have Dan on from the Wolves seventy seven podcast. Uh, it's, obviously, for the podcast sake, it was it was sort of quite nice to to not have to just scrap around trying to find different superlatives for, <laughs> for how good West Ham are because um, that had got quite difficult in in recent weeks, and it? it was nice to have a break from that. Bit of a shame, or a major shame. A very big shame. I think as we got to the end of the pod, Jonesy, I think I've been doing it down a little bit. Not doing it down, but perhaps uh, perhaps you know, the whole UEFA thing required stronger words. I try and take a pragmatic approach to most things in life in general. So, But ultimately, yeah, I will be very disappointed. Um, well, I am very disappointed by, by what's happened there. Um, and you'd almost, you'd almost rather... It was like unfair from UEFA, weren't you? Which we all thought at first it was UEFA being overly harsh. Now it seems to be quite clear cut that that West Ham and a and a large minority, 150-ish fans, were in the wrong. Um, yeah, it's, it's leaves a bit of a just a sad taste in the mouth, really, isn't it? And I feel more. I just feel that my main feeling, I know yours is, seems to be a bit more disappointed about in the fans and the reputation of the club. Mine is just a genuine feeling sorry for the 1,700 fans who had tickets to the Rapid Vienna game um, and are no longer going to be able to go and watch their team play in Europe because of the actions of a, of a significant, uh, albeit minority Um you you mentioned it about the amount of money fans have spent and West Ham fans all like come from all different walks of life, but the majority of us don't have buckets of money just lying around to dip into to do trips to Europe whenever we please. Um, yeah, and you're right. Lots of people might have targeted this one as the one they wanted to do, and they might not be able to go again to the knockout stage. So, yeah, my my sort of heart goes out to uh, to all of those who had spent out money and whether they're going to go or not, won't be able to to go and watch their team in Europe, which we are all so looking forward to being able to do this season. Uh, yeah, just wanted to add that in. I know I've covered it a lot, Jonesy, but yeah, just very, very disappointing indeed. And and let's hope that, as you mentioned, Jonesy, learning curve, we've got a seriously, seriously hope that is the case. And, uh, you know, it was just a one-off and we don't see anything else like that uh, on our road to the final hey and because we want as many fans here jonesy don't we for the final yeah. as we possibly can yeah 100 100 i do have it's a learning curve um you know i, I know you're kind of like well you know it's not so much it you for being harsh i still think a lot of this could have been reduced by the timing we spoke a lot about the timing of it hmm. um and the fact they just didn't inform 
the club of any kind of investigation happening. Um, but yeah, it's happened now. Um, yeah. we, we live and learn as a, as a fan base, you know, um, and we just move on and we kind of take it on the chin. Those that still going out of, out to Vienna, you know, just behave yourselves. Um, watch it in a bar. If you are watching the bar, let us know which one because we'll probably join you. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, and let's just enjoy it. You know, Thursday night is is, is going to be, we hope, a celebration going into the last 16 of the Europa League. We never saw this thing coming. We, we didn't see it coming. So let's go out there, even if we can't get to the game. If you are going out, let's go out there and enjoy it. Um, and if you're not going out there, then, you know, still enjoy it wherever you watch it. And um, we'll just make sure that this doesn't happen again because it's... It's not fair, and you know we deserve to be enjoying, enjoying these times and not being having them ruined, moving forward. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And uh, yeah, if you are out there and you spot me and Jonesy, come over and say hello. Um, we'll, we'll probably have our microphones with us, won't we, James? We'll do a little bit of a <laughs> probably, chat. Yeah. yeah. So we're more than happy to, uh, more than happy to have a chat. We'll probably be well. We're looking for content now, won't we? <laughs> now we're at the game. Uh, yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be well keen on having a chat to to any of you, particularly those of you who listen to the podcast. Um, well, if you don't listen to the podcast, you're not going to hear this, are you? So, <laughs> uh, yeah, those of you going out there and you fancy come and have a chat with me and Jonesy uh, to feature on the pod, then by all means, get in touch. Jonesy, what, what are you feeling then? Because obviously before all that, this obviously dominated the headlines this week, there is a game against Wolves. This weekend uh, on Sunday at Molyneux, and we've got the chance to, you know, carry on our absolutely supreme season. Sorry, Sunday, Saturday at Molyneux. What am I talking about? Saturday, three o'clock at Molyneux. Got a chance to continue our superb season so far. Keep the pressure on Manchester City. Um, you know, I mean, they've got home game against Everton. You'd think they would win that. Uh, but there is the chance if, if they slip up, we win that we could go second in the league. I don't think uh, we're going to get the 13-goal swing required for us to overtake Chelsea as well. Um, albeit, they've got a difficult game away at Leicester City. Uh, and I know people like this phrase. We could technically be joint first by the end of the weekend, James. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's good to get proper football back, um, particularly in the form that we're in. Um I do fancy us at Wolves. Uh, we had a good result here, uh, last season, not yesterday, um, yeah. but last season. Um, and I, yeah, I just think you know we've got through the international break. Uh, as far as we're aware, without any injuries, um, Antonio will be coming back. I know you keep, you know, I know you believe he's going to be tired, but I think he's going to come back with a lot of confidence. Mm. That goal we scored against the USA was probably the best goal I've ever seen him score. Um, <laughs> is that, is, 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 is Someone first, said, yeah, first go goal on, outside you... the box for seven yeah. years. Is that true? Someone yeah. said that to me and I thought it was a joke. Yeah, and all of his 52 Premier League goals have been inside the box. It's like Chicharito-level mm. records, isn't it? <laughs> He's um, like Chicharito, only good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he'll come back with a lot of confidence. Two two and two for Jamaica. Um, Declan Rice, hopefully, you know, back to full health after his illness that made him miss out in England. And um, So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think I think we're in a good place to, to go there and, and, and take all three points and continue this epic era that we're living at the moment because it's wonderful isn't it absolutely mate and it's liverpool arsenal at anfield on saturday night they're liverpool fourth obviously one place and one point behind west ham arsenal are in fifth at the moment three points behind us 
their goal difference is lots worse, 10 goals worse than ours. What do you want from that one, Josie? Because that is so intriguing, isn't it? You sort of think if Liverpool win and we, you know, and we even get a point, right, then they'll overtake us and, and we'll go fourth. But if we manage to get a win and Arsenal lose, that puts us six points and, you know, in excess of 12 goal difference above them. I mean, and they'd be in fifth, depending on Man United's result. But that would put us guaranteed, if we get a win and Arsenal lose, we'd be guaranteed to be six points above the fifth place team, be that Arsenal or Man United, depending on their results. Well, who would you rather, or what would you rather come from that game? I think at this stage, uh, the bigger gap you can build from you know, fifth downwards, you know, the better. So you kind of, you know, as long as Arsenal avoid avoid winning, then I think that's that just is that's a good result for us. I think so a, draw, wanna... a draw is probably a better result because then you know it means that we stay if we get a point, we stay above Liverpool in third. But mm. um, just building a bit of a gap between fourth and fifth, yeah, I think is is good at this stage of the season. If we can go into Christmas with a nice little sort of six, five or six point gap. Yeah, it takes us into, it gives us a, a good platform to build on next year. So you'd rather just build that gap between the fifth place side, which at the moment is Arsenal, rather than uh, Arsenal getting a win and then we're still only three points above the fourth place team. Yeah, 100%. yeah don't care who it is. Yeah, fair enough. I like your thinking, mate. But, uh, you know, even to be having these conversations is absolutely phenomenal. That is it for another week on the We Are West Ham podcast. A short and sweet one this week uh do follow us on twitter at we are underscore west ham we're on instagram at we are west ham pod facebook just search the we are west ham podcast youtube it's exactly the same we are west ham podcast for our youtube channel numbers picking up a bit on that Josie. i understand yeah i think we're perhaps about 470 subscribers um the opposition view is still the most popular sort of uh strand of video on 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 the YouTube channel. I think we're averaging about yeah. five or six hundred views on that. But um, yeah, picking up nicely, growing, growing organically, which is nice. Excellent. To see. Well, yeah, the podcast uh, listener numbers still absolutely dwarfing those YouTube figures. So there's clearly plenty of you listening who don't watch on YouTube as well. So if you fancy uh, making this the week that you go over and subscribe, just search "We Are West Ham." podcast because uh, like i say still plenty of you of course that are only listening to the pod which is absolutely fine by us this is our bread and butter but if you want to look at our faces as well i understand why you just want to listen <laughs> rather than look if you do we are west ham podcast on youtube subscribe as well give us five stars uh write a nice review or write a mean review if you give us five stars and we're not too not too fast a few of you have done that in recent weeks so i appreciate those of you who've, uh, who've listened when I asked, but most importantly, tell your friends. And if you do, if you're planning on going to Vienna anyway and you fancy featuring on the pod, fancy meeting up with uh, me and Jonesy for a beer, do get in touch on any of those platforms we mentioned. Twitter is probably your best bet. Um, send us a DM on there or like I say, Instagram as well. So that's at we are underscore West Ham Twitter. We are West Ham Pod on Insta. If you fancy getting involved and perhaps featuring on the pod uh, from Austria next week, West Ham are still third in the Premier League, still first in our Europa League group. Granted, that's because we didn't play since we last spoke. Disappointing stuff from uh, the, the, the Genk away game, which was such a great occasion, even though we didn't win the game. Shame that it's been spoiled. 
Uh, but important, you know, even though there will clearly be lots of fans still out in Vienna that we try and uh, keep West Ham having a good reputation in Europe. Still a good position to be in. Hopefully we get a good result in that game. But before all that, it's Wolves away on Saturday in the Premier League. They're eighth in the league at the moment. Dan seems to think that they will win. But the way West Ham are playing at the moment, do we fear anyone? No, we do not. Thanks for listening, everyone. Up the Hammers, West Ham are still massive. And we'll see you next week. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.